Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Uh, I am your host Tom and I am joined as always by Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello. You may notice this week we did not have any audio over the top of our intro music because it's a new season so we need new sound bites. Um, we have started putting together a short list but we want your suggestions so let us know which iconic bits of radio from the 2019 mm. season you want to hear week in, week out, whilst we're going through the 2020 season. And <laughs> I will do my best to edit them in as per usual. Um, but yeah, less of that. We are here for the first race weekend of the season, Australia. But we have some news as well first leading into the season. So I'll hand over to Chris and he will go through some of that. Yeah, this, this, it's a hefty one to start with. It's going to be... Um press release city for the next minute or two so i'll try not to dawdle on them too much <laughs> um so this all happened on the last day of testing the timing of which i thought was very interesting uh. um ferrari well actually no the fia sorry released a statement basically saying that them and ferrari had reached a deal over the 2019 engine stuff so you may recall over the whole of last season there were constant questions about ferrari's engine legality um, so the FIA said that after thorough technical investigations, it has concluded its analysis on the operation of the Scuderia Ferrari Formula 1 power unit and reached a settlement with the team. The specifics of the agreement will remain between the parties. Um, it said they've agreed to a number of technical commitments that will improve the monitoring of all F1 power units for forthcoming championship seasons, as well as other regulatory duties. Um, that was quickly followed by another statement from all seven of the non-Ferrari power teams who said they were surprised and shocked by the FIA statement. An international sporting regulator has the responsibility to act with the highest standards of governance, integrity and transparency after months of investigations that were undertaken by the FIA only following queries raised by other teams. We strongly object to the FIA reaching a confidential settlement. Um, and they said they uh, shared a commitment to pursue full and proper discourse um, on behalf of fans, participants, stakeholders and and uh, mentioning legal options as well within their statements. Um, and then finally, the FIA released a second statement to, uh, they said, to clarify some details, mm -hmm. um, which essentially said that their investigations raised suspicions that the Ferrari power units could be considered as not operating within the normal limits of FIA regulations at all times. You can read that as illegal. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ferrari firmly opposed the suspicions, obviously. Um, the interesting bit is, it says the FIA was not fully satisfied, but decided that further action would not be would not necessarily result in a conclusive case due to the complexity of the matter and the material impossibility to provide the unequivocal evidence of a breach. Um, wow. So they don't have the expertise to, to make a judgment. <laughs> Yeah, I I read that as we know you were cheating. We can't. We don't have the time, money, or expertise to prove that you were cheating. So, the way it's worded sounds like, tell us what you were up to, so we can make sure no one else is doing it in the future. And in response, we won't throw you out of the last championship. Basically, like, is that not what that reads like? That's yeah, kind of how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what I uh, what I gathered from that. <laughs> I mean, you can understand why all the other teams are miffed about this. Like it, when you release a statement that says we think another team was cheating, but we haven't bothered trying to prove it, 
um, let's all just move on from here. Of course, the other competitors aren't going to be okay with that. Yeah, it, it seems kind of crazy that they've sort of even released that statement saying what they've said. Like, what yeah. do they expect to happen when they when they say we've come to an agreement in private with a team, even though we know they've broke the rules, but we can't prove it. In essence, they're saying we know they've broken the rules. We can't prove it because we don't have the expertise. Therefore, we're just going to let it go. And um, we're going to keep quiet about the whole thing. Um, my whole weird like, self-incriminating, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I have a whole thing with this because obviously Ferrari have been sailing close to the wind with the regulations here. and They've been pushing them as far as they go. And one argument against like, uh, so, so one, one problem the teams have got is that they're, you know, they want to know the findings of what's been said, obviously, because they want to know what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, and one of the arguments against doing that is people are saying, you know, Ferrari have spent all this money developing whatever it is they've been developing, and it wouldn't be fair for the FIA to just expose everything they've developed. But my counter-argument to that would be, well, you know, they're obviously in breach of the regulations to some degree. And when you when you push the regulations that far, you run the risk of whatever you develop being exposed for all to see. That's the course, game. Yeah. yeah, realistically. Yeah. So really for, for the FIA to for the FIA to not release the findings of what they've gone what they've found, for me, is what's the point in even having regulations if you're not going to penalise for them? It's crazy. The other thing as well though is like in in the past, usually if there's something that's I don't know, a potential like loophole that's being closed. It's usually the details of it uh, are publicized. So, for example, double diffusers, generally what was being done was publicized, which kind of enabled the other team to catch up. Um, F-duct, everything that was found was publicized. So it allowed other teams to catch up and yeah. develop their own until it was fully outlawed. And just seems odd that <laughs> this wouldn't follow that same principle, I guess. Yeah. Plus, there's kind of the there's always been a thing in F1 where teams, because uh, this was the whole controversy about the guy leaving uh, the FIA to join Renault is that he was the guy that teams would go to to say we're working on this. Do you think it's legal? And the kind of agreement was, if they if he saw it and said yes, that seems fine, he'd then keep it to himself basically. And this is a weird halfway house where it's something that apparently isn't legal or suspect is not be legal, but they've still not released the details of it. It's yeah, it's but, going to rumble on this. It's going to rumble yeah. on a lot, I think. Yeah. The other side of it as well is like, if you don't publicize what that thing was, what's to stop another team experimenting and ending up down the same road and breaking the same rules because they have some like come across the same exactly potential yeah. and but not knowing that that's exactly what ferrari have been in trouble for means that you run into those kind of issues i guess this is this is exactly what's happened the the, the fi the teams have been sus suspecting that ferrari have been up to not up to no good but you know pushing the limits of the rules mm -hmm. so what they do is they go up to the fia with different things over and over again until they find the thing that Ferrari are doing. And yeah. that's what's happened here. Because you saw the downturn of performance in Ferrari. Like, I think it was Hungary last year. They were suddenly like way off, the, way off the pace. Like they lost like a second. Can you remember? Yeah. They yeah. lost like a huge chunk of time.
And after the was, summer break, pretty much. Yeah, and it was only after the teams had sort of been going backwards and forwards of the FAA, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? Can we do that? And the idea is you keep doing that until you find the thing that, you know, you get the clarification that is the thing that you suspect they're doing. And once you realise that they're doing that, that's when the FIA have to sort of make that clarification and the team has to abide by it. So... You know, I mean, how, how I just I just don't get how they've not been able to enforce a rule. For me, it's very like, strange. They've obviously found them out, but they're they're letting it go, and it just seems really, really unsporting to me to 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 let them hmm. get away with with breaking the rules. Well, this is why every non Ferrari powered team is clubbed together, isn't it? With <laughs> exactly, the, yeah, with the whole petition to take it to lawsuit or whatever it is that I can't remember the exact details of it, but it's what, that's why that's happened because everyone that's not got a Ferrari engine feels hard done by. Yeah. And I mean, Red Bull pointed out that by rights, they are owed several tens of millions of dollars in prize money because they came third in the championship and second in the championship was a team that supposedly had a illegal engine potentially. So yeah, that's, that's where the complaints will come in, won't it? Yeah. It's, it's all right saying, well, what's been is done kind of thing. Like it, It's no good dwelling over that because we're, we're about to start a new season. But any team that would <clears throat> stand to gain a position in the standings from that, um, yeah. and a driver for that matter, do you know what I mean? Like the well, I mean, yeah, totally. You, know, you say anything, that, that's literally every team other than the Well, yeah, except Mercedes. <laughs> and Mercedes as well. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, the, yeah. the the thing is the Ferrari powered teams probably won't have been benefiting it from it. The only team benefiting from it would have probably been the works team. But as as Alpha and as um Haas, you're not gonna go and sign that agreement to say, Yeah, investigate Ferrari when they're supplying your engines. In the same way that, you know, potentially like a, a racing point of this world might not have initially been fully behind going into it that way but they're looking at it as well mercedes are going to want us to do this so let's back mercedes on it if they if they think that it's a strong enough case let's go with mercedes like there's so much politics involved in engines with stuff like this as well i guess it's more evidence just to say that the engines are maybe a little bit too complicated maybe (laughs) if if there's a set of if there's a rule set that cannot be enforced because the expertise doesn't exist outside of the manufacturers, then they surely need to take some of the complexity out of either take some of the complexity out of the engine rules or get someone in who understands them because they clearly don't understand them. And you know, what kind of what kind of authority creates rules that they can't enforce? It's just it just brings the whole FIA to me, it brings the the, the rule book into disrepute because what, what the enforce or the at least the police the policing of the rules it brings that into disrepute because there's if you can't police the rules that you make then why you make it what what right have you got to be making the rules in the first place well it's not unlike i don't remember when we were talking about the 2021 rules and f1 said that they had like a, a brain trust to like pick through the rules and find the loopholes and we all said if anybody is good enough to find the loopholes in the rules, they'd be working for F1 teams, not for yeah. Formula One. And it's sort of the same problem, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's come to, ha- it's come to be, hasn't it? That's, that's yep. exactly it. 
Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to rumble on and on and on. So I'm sure there'll be plenty more time for us to talk about it throughout the season. Mm. Um, but for now, yeah. we'll move on. Um, other big bit of news that's happened the last couple of weeks is that the Bahrain Grand Prix is now going to take place behind closed doors. Um, it looks like it's a decision that's been made by the race organisers rather than F1, but I'm sure it was in conjunction with them. Um, essentially, all of the team personnel, and it looks like journalists, will be able to attend, but there'll be no fans, no crowd whatsoever at the track, um, meaning it will be almost certainly the first race in history to take place with absolutely no spectators whatsoever, which is going to be other a than very China every year. I was going <laughs> to make a joke about the Indian races as well. And there, <laughs> many crowds. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe not exactly the first. Yes. The Chinese um, Grand Prix wasn't run in 2020 and nobody noticed. <laughs> uh, it's going to be a weird thing to watch though, isn't it? Like, as much as the crowd, you know, aren't kind of audibly as big a part of the sport as, you know, football, rugby, cricket, whatever, it's still going to be a strange thing. It's a bit like watching a test session rather than a race, won't it? Mm, yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah. I think it'll affect the build-up the, to the race more than actually watching sure, the yeah. race itself. I think, obviously, like when you watch the build-up of a race, there's always sort of shots of the crowd, people going about doing stuff, the grid's full of people. The grid walk will be interesting. That's a good point, actually, because there'll, there'll be presumably no celebs and hangers on this time. So Martin Brundle will actually get to, speak have to, to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have to talk to him no matter what. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Something tells me that the crown prince of Bahrain will find his way onto the racetrack on uh, race day to. I mean, it's his race. track, so. Yeah. I mean, if it's your track, then you're going to. No one's going to tell I... you not to want to go into your track, yeah. are they? Exactly. Part of me hopes that they still do like sweeping shots of the stands like they would <laughs> just <laughs> just to highlight like just do all the usual camera angles just with none of the fans. That would be hilarious, <laughs> but I can guarantee you the cameras will be fixed firmly onto the tarmac. <laughs> There's an interesting like overtaking it'll just cut to an empty crowd and then just yeah. cut back again. Yeah, you know. It um, oh my god, the race director like that wouldn't surprise me. This the race director, some of the howlers he did last year <laughs> yeah i didn't really mention the start but this is obviously to do with the whole coronavirus uh situation the rome epre has actually been cancelled now as well as the first two rounds of MotoGP, gp and the third round which would become the season over in austin is also now looking in doubt because um south by southwest in austin got cancelled in the last week so if that's not happening there's a good chance that the MotoGP won't happen as well. So MotoGP is potentially three races down now. Wow. Ferrari and AlphaTauri personnel have been allowed to leave Italy to go to the Grand Prix, which was uh, up in the air at one point. Um, F1 basically said that they're only going to run races if all teams are able to attend. They're not going to let teams lose out because of travel restrictions. I, w I wonder if that would still be the case if it wasn't Ferrari who were Italian. It, you, can't, you can't say you can't travel and then... Um, and then hold the race anyway. You can't exclude someone, and then um, exactly, unless it was yeah. for like regulation breaks. Like if they had chosen not to go, as in saying we don't want to travel because of what's yeah, exactly. going on, I'd still do the race. But for for them to be like potentially on lockdown is unfair, no matter who it is. And I think that yeah, no matter who, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but as we said last time, I don't think we've heard the end of uh, race delays and cancellations and stuff. Mm. 
could be an interesting season if we're looking at two, three, four races being affected over time. Considering this was supposed, out. this was supposed to be the uh, biggest season ever, and it's <laughs> looking like yeah. it might be short this been for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um. Other quick bits of news: uh, the ban on mid-season helmet changes has been scrapped. We've, been, we've had this rule for five years now, which basically stopped any major changes to helmet designs um, from the helmet that drivers started the season with. All, pretty much all drivers universally hated it, and most fans did as well, I think. So they've finally got rid of that. So they'll be able to make as many changes as they like throughout the year now. <laughs> um, I mean, the thing is, with the halo in place now, the helmet is not really that important for identifying drivers anymore anyway. So... Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, also I, I one of really the most s- pointless rules in the world. Yeah, yeah I never really saw the point of the rule in the first place. Anyway, like it was just so dumb. Like, just it was, it was a thing nobody was complaining about that they enforced the rule. Exactly. Like, yeah. the, the only people complaining about it were the commentators, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Back off, guys. be better at like, your job. Yeah, just be better. <laughs> just look at look at the put. Get some glasses and look at the numbers on the cars, maybe. <laughs> which, which, to be fair, it, people will hold their hands up and say, "Oh, well, you couldn't see the numbers quite as well on the cars last in those days." They, they, in those days, one of them had an orange camera thing, and the other one yeah, had exactly, a yeah. yellow camera thing. Exactly. If you couldn't discern which car was which from that, then you need your eyes testing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always quite like the sort of limited edition helmets they had um lando norris has already launched a competition for someone to design his british grand prix helmet oh, that's cool so hopefully we'll see more of that what would your designs have on it from lando norris's um helmet what would you make describe it um for lando norris's helmet i was gonna make a milk joke but apparently he's cut back on his milk consumption now so that meme's mm. kind of dead you could um, make one of those. I um, just put, you could make a version of the thingy hat, the the you know that the doctor hat he was wearing. The yeah, oh, yeah, in yeah, the A version of that would be fun to do. Or just lots of pictures of his own face on his own helmet would be quite yeah. good. <laughs> that would be really. That would be good. that would be very Lando as well. To be yeah, fair. it really would. Mm. Yeah. And then final bit of news: uh, Sergio Sesse Camera has rejoined Red Bull. He's one of the many drivers Ooh. over the years that's been dropped by Red Bull. He was dropped by Red Bull in 2016. He then spent a couple of years with McLaren. Uh, but the day after McLaren announced he was leaving, he's uh, now rejoining Red Bull as a test and reserve driver for both Red Bull and Alpha Tauri, uh, alongside Sebastian Buemi, who I always forget is still a Red Bull reserve driver, technically. Yeah, technically. Um, although not particularly useful one, given that most of the time he's not at F1 races because he's doing Formula E or World Endurance Championship. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess it makes sense they have to. Yeah. And that's about it for news, which means it's uh, finally time to get back to uh, actual preview time. Wow. It's, it's almost the Australian Grand Prix. I don't know if you heard, but it's race week. <laughs> is it yeah. race week? Is this week it race week? It is race week. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and it is me doing the, the preview thing, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> I completely yeah. forgot. I'm absolutely useless at this game. It's been a while since we did a proper podcast, isn't it? Um, so I guess we need to do some storylines leading into the Australian Grand Prix. We do. And uh, we have a few written down here. Um, the first one is, will Ferrari remove the sandbags? Or indeed, are they, do they even have any sandbags? <laughs> are there even sandbags present? Yeah, are sandbags there in the car? I don't... What do you guys think? Do you think they're sandbagging? No. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I think they're genuinely in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, and I think Red Bull are, are 
much closer to Mercedes than Ferrari have ever been as well. It's I'm looking that way, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think Ferrari are going to be like fifth fastest or whatever testing looked like, but I do think they're going to be third fastest at best. Yeah. And Tom, yeah. what do you think? Do you think they're going to be as quick? I think that they're probably still struggling with whatever this mysterious rule break suspension thing is. Not Well, suspension makes it sound like it's something it's not. The engine thing that has been suspended. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, I thought, I thought you were talking about suspension. I was like, what a Ferrari been up to? No, that's why I thought I'd rephrase. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're still struggling from whatever was giving them that hangover at the end of last season because they don't look to have gone anywhere over the winter. So No, you're right. Like, I, don't, I think he's genuine, sadly. Mm. And Honda, it looks like Honda have made big gains over the winter as well. Yeah, yeah from, definitely. From the sounds coming from Milton Keynes would suggest that they, you know, they've really, really added a lot to their uh, their package. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that battle shakes out. Um, the next storyline I've got is: Will Racing Point deliver on the on the pay? Ooh, I can't speak. Will Racing Point deliver on the pace they showed in testing? Um, yeah, they were, you know, with the mini Mercedes, um, yeah. as we or Tracing Point, as we've come to know them on this podcast. <laughs> Um, obviously very, very similar looking to the Mercedes. It's shown a lot of, uh, a lot of pace over the testing period. And it looks like it could be, you know, right up there. I think from their point of view, they kind of have to be as well. Cause I've already said they're basically not planning to develop this car as much as they normally would. Cause they need to put resources into the new rule set. So They've said they're only really expecting to bring two or three upgrade packages early in the season, and that will be it. So they basically need to make hay while the sun shines at the front end of the season because I think they're just going to drop off as the year goes on. Yeah, It depends on how many teams are putting into this season as well, though, doesn't it? Yeah, true. With the change that's coming, I don't think many teams will be making huge upgrades this season. Yeah, good point. Um, I don't think Tech Tuesdays are going to be that interesting on the Formula One website this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's that um, season of changeover, isn't it? That's where we're at. Yeah. Now. Yeah. You, 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 the, these are really, I mean, other than, I suppose the McLarens are quite different from last year, they've said, but mm. yeah, I'm kind of like, it does seem a bit, it would be a bit crazy to be throwing everything in the kitchen sink. If you're, if you're racing point or if you're, Williams or if you're um, mm-hmm. Haas or whoever it'd be crazy to throw everything in the kitchen sink at de- developing these cars in the hope of getting a few points when you know you really need next season's cars to be on the money if you're going to be competing yeah. in years to come exactly so, yeah. yeah will Williams be able to compete from the first race this year I think they will I think they're going to be right in the mix in, in terms of the sort of Second half of the midfield, I'd say they're going to be in there somewhere. I don't think they're going to be hanging off miles off, miles back, laps down. Do you? I'm hoping that they're not going to be the, the last two stragglers now. Um, from what I've seen in testing, I'd say that they look like they've closed that gap from the last year or so. Um, I don't think they're going to be regularly competing for points per se, but I think that they'll definitely not be stuck as the last two cars constantly like what they were for a lot of last season. No. Yeah. Um, they were 
they're putting a faster lap than Alfa Romeo did um, in testing on the same tyre. And they were faster than Alfa Tauri and Haas, who were both on a slightly harder tyre. So they're not, you know, they're not going to be up there competing for points from the start, but they're definitely going to be in the mix towards the back, I think, which is a yeah. vast improvement on where they were this time last year. Yeah, big time. And they've, you know, they've made a lot of logistical and operational changes within the team in the last year to mm-hmm. to sort of weed out the problems that they had with yeah. sort of production and and uh, and communication within the team like they, they were saying that they've got eight people who are sort of in constant communication they're like a like a sort of they're like the generals of the team if you like of the different departments of the team and they're all in constant communication now integrating with each other all communicating about each component of the car that's being built and apparently that's for them this is the first time they've done it that way and it's working really well for them and it hopefully it looks as though it has you know, work for them on the timesheet. So we'll see. While we're on the subject of Williams, can Latifi take the fight to Russell? Um, will he do a better job than Robert Kubica did last year? It's a big year for this, George, uh, for George Russell, this. Um, yeah. He, he had like the double whammy last year of in your rookie season, you can get away with a little bit more. And he had a team rate that never, teammate that never really took the fight to him. And he's kind of potentially lost both of those things this year. So he really needs to be handily outdoing uh, Latifi this year. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh, Latifi, like, he's, he's had his success in the junior formula, but he, I, a little bit of an unknown quantity still, I would say. He's not done a ton of F1 testing. So, yeah, I think you'd have to see just quite how he uh, transitions across. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he went from, he was sort of, midfield-ish to top 10 when he was, when um, not last season, the season before when Russell and Norris and Albon were all still there, whereas those yeah. guys were like your top three. And then he he finished second to De Vries last season, I think, didn't he? I think so, yeah. And Luca Giotto yeah. was up there. So like there's, there's a few of the names that had, had come about pretty soon if if he didn't perform, I guess. But like you say, it's, it's a bit of a make or break for George in a way, I guess, isn't it? He's got to show that he really is what everyone expected him to be by handily outdoing Latifi, realistically. Yeah. Uh, so. do, do you think he will? I, I I think George Russell is better than Nicholas Latifi. I'm going to throw that out there right now. I'd say so. I think so, yeah. I think I think he will outdo him. I've, I've got... I know we're sort of on the, the sort of line of storylines, but I've got something that I was going to say with predictions which is you know last year when we made like predictions about Leclerc and Vettel mm-hmm. I wanted to say like have either of you got a random sort of throw it out there for the season prediction because mine is Latifi will score a point for Williams before George Russell I'm not necessarily saying he'll finish the season ahead of him but I'm Whoa. saying that Russell will get beaten to that first point of the season much like last season where Kubica mm. got the only point for them last season that is so that's my like out there, there prediction for the season. That is out there. That is the that is the that is X Files prediction. That is that I, is absolutely. <laughs> out I can't there. I can't remember what we said last year exactly, but I feel like I said Leclerc will win for Ferrari before Vettel does, and I did all right with that one. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm stick I'm sticking with this one. I'm going for it again. <laughs> hmm. I 
would have to disagree <laughs> with that one. <laughs> Latifi's done so many GP. He, Latifi was in F2 when it was GP2. It, it's taken him yeah, it's been you know, all these years to sort of do anything in that championship. I just don't think he's got anything like what George Russell's got. Um, you know, it's his best result. It's taken him five years of F two to come second in F two, and now he's finally got his finally got his um, Formula One debut. And let's face it, guys, he's a pay driver. He's bringing a bunch of Lavazza money to I mean, uh, is that? to Williams. <laughs> That's sweet coffee money. He, yeah, he might be, but Russell was the second or so faster than Kubica for most of the season last season. True, that didn't stop Stranger her. Stranger things have happened. Points going his way, did it? Lance what Stroll got look. a podium in his debut what? season. Stranger <laughs> things yeah, have happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? You're right. You are right. I mean, it's not necessarily to do with your prediction, Tom. <laughs> just yeah. with, like, what I'm saying, but um, the my feeling is, uh, what I would love would be for George Russell to be a second quicker than Latifi as well, and then that that kind yeah. of like. <laughs> That kind of justifies Kubica's position in the team last season because everyone doubted Kubica, and it really it yeah. just show what a talent. If he's a if he's a second faster than Latifi as well, that's the second driver in a row. He's been a second quicker then. So what yeah, that would yeah. show is that George Russell is a genuine, I think, a genuine real talent. If you put him in the car I mean, against you know your 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 Max Verstappen's and your Lando Norris's, then. If he was a second faster than them, then he'd be absolutely smashing it. He's not going to be a second faster than them. He might not even be faster than them, but he's definitely at least a second faster than a midfield driver, which is what Kubica really probably was last season. And Latifi is firmly a midfield driver for me. And I mean, let's face it, like Kubica is now in one way or another driving for his third different F1 team since his comeback. Like he did a third of the testing for Alfa Romeo. So he's clearly still got speed in him. Otherwise, three different F1 teams wouldn't have bothered with him. So That's yeah. true. Exactly. So it could be that Russell um, is a really prodigious talent within Formula mm, 1 that we're just not looks, seeing because certainly no one's giving his teammates proper the judgment they deserve. <laughs> um, I've got two out there predictions to make, actually. I can't decide which one to go for, so I'm just going to say <laughs> them both. Go cool. for it. Um. I'm going to say Leclerc will lead the championship within the first five races. Wow, that is... Not after five races, just at goodness. some point in the first five races. Wow. Call the Ghostbusters. And Albon will get a podium before Verstappen. <laughs> Oof. Ooh, I like that prediction. And I, I like thought I was crazy. <laughs> Maybe even this weekend. Mm, that's it. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> it kind of takes us quite nicely onto the other um, the other storyline, which is, I mean, it's the big one. Where will the top three stand after qualifying on Saturday? You know, who's who has got the fastest car when they pull their trousers down on you know on Saturday? <laughs> we're going to see what they've all got. So, in the words of that's the words of Christian Horner on the new uh, Drive to Survive boys. <laughs> Been watching mm. that. Yeah. Uh, a couple, yeah, yeah. You're in it. Really good. Sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, yeah, it'd be great. I can't wait to see how they all shake out. Who knows how it's going to shake out? We could, you know, all this conjecture that we're coming up with. It could be that Ferrari have not got sandbags in, or got loads of sandbags in, and they're absolutely going to monster everyone. Or, 
otherwise we just don't know until qualifying on Saturday so it's very very exciting to see if you want yeah. a weird prediction oh goodness I've not even I've not really thought about weird predictions but give us a bold bold predictions Stu okay um uh you've kind of taken all the good ones you two I'm gonna say <laughs> Lance Stroll will get a podium before Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> there you go. Wait, say that's, that again because I lost the first bit of who it yeah, was. Yeah, me too. Lance Stroll will get a podium before Lewis Hamilton. Ooh. What? That's just... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's not impossible. This it's not weekend. impossible. It's not impossible I'm... this weekend. Honestly, mine looks the sanest of the lot at the minute. It only takes like you said out there. It only takes a first corner that. incident. The first corner incident at the front. That's that's entirely possible. It's wild, but it's impossible. Wipe out a couple of front runners. Yeah, you could drive over a drain cover and take your front wing off like Daniel Ricciardo exactly. did out of the blue last year. Yeah. Well, um, they've, they've tarmacked that over this year. They don't want that happening have again. They? <laughs> Um, yeah, so there we go. Anyway, let's pick out some drivers to watch and some teams to watch. So we'll start with drivers, and I'm going to go Tom first. Who's your driver to watch this weekend? Don't say Lance Stroll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Vettel. I think he needs a strong, no matter where the car's at, he needs a strong performance to start the season, I think, and just start off on a good foot. So I'm going to say Vettel. Good, good strong answer, Chris. I'm going to say Albon. He's starting the season in what should be the second fastest car. Um, yeah. He sh- he should be looking at this race as newest best chance to get a podium. That's how he should be approaching this race. And yeah. he's definitely got a shot of it, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, he ended the season on a high last year, so I don't see, yeah. don't see why exactly, he should yeah. be starting it on one. Yeah, keep season. that going. Um, my driver to watch, I'm going to go Valtteri Bottas. Um, he won the race in Australia last year. He is going to need to really come up with the goods this season if he's going to keep his drive at Mercedes because you've got some young guns in the form of, you know, uh, goodness, George Russell and Lando Norris snapping at his heels. Um, yep. Yeah, he's really, really going to need to come up with something big this season if he's going to stay with Mercedes any longer. And... Yeah, I think he's he's always better at the start of the season. There's a lot less pressure, so I'd say keep your eye on him. Um, so teams to watch. I mean, the obvious answer's um, racing point. Yeah, but I'm going to say Renault. Actually, I think Renault have got a bit more in them than they showed in testing. Mm, I think they're going to be a bit further Renault, up than no. No, no one has really because they did next to nothing in testing. But no. I, I reckon they've got a bit more in them than uh, it currently looks. Okay, uh, Tom. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know at the minute. Like, I'm, I'm interested to see where Williams pan out in in the general mix of that sort of midfield to lower end, because I'd like to see them not fighting over nineteenth and twentieth between each other. Um, so probably them. I'd just like to see where they end up come Saturday quality pace. Nice. Okay. Um, so Chris got racing point. You've got 
Williams slash Renault slash uh, sorry slash Renault <laughs> Renault. <laughs> um, I am gonna go. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to go Mercedes. Really, like you want to you want to see if they've managed yeah. to keep developing the car, and you know, if, are they still gonna be the car to watch in 2020? You know, have they have they managed to develop that car, or is that you know, are they gonna have dropped back in through the development of the of the rules and the cars over many seasons? Are they still gonna have the same advantage that they've got through the entire formula? Um, mm. Hopefully, they won't have the same advantage, and we'll have a bit of a battle through the season. Because let's say you know, this Australia race is always the one that gives you. It's a precedent, I guess, to the season. You see where everyone's shaken out. So for the first half of the season, we're finally going to know who's got what, who's who's where. And I guess two or three races in, then we're going to really know what's going on. But to begin with, I want to exactly. see what Mercedes have got, if they've still got it. That's totally reasonable and probably one of the best places to look if you want a bit of entertainment this season. And if nothing else, <laughs> you can watch, try and watch what they're up to with their steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I want to see yeah, if they yeah. use that for definite. Yeah, I think they will. I definitely think they will. Anyway, shall we move on to predictions? Oh god, it's time. Yeah, time. I to feel horrifically unprepared. Predictions. For this. Yeah, I'm so unprepared for this. <laughs> I'm just gonna wing this, honestly. Yeah, same. It's the first one. It's the first one of the year. I mean, if we were really serious about it, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> yeah. We should probably actually like for anyone who's joining us um, who wasn't with us last season, um, we do a predictions league. Um, <laughs> every race, there are five different things we ask you to predict. Uh, you can go on our website and punch in your predictions. Uh, we have uh, prizes for the season champion and then prizes for anyone who can get five out of five in a week. Um, yeah, so if you've never played before, uh, sign up on the website. It's all free uh, and enter your predictions. Uh yeah, and join him. And I'll, I'll let so, you do your thing now, Tom. Yeah, so with that being said, um, we will always go through ours first. And I am going to start with Chris and ask you who you think will be fastest at the end of Q3. And again, for those newer, this hmm. is who sets the fastest time in Q3 before penalties. So you may not end up on pull, <laughs> if you were the fastest, that's what scores you the points. I'm going to say Verstappen. Oof, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> That's kind of where I was thinking about going myself. I'm going to see what Stu wants first, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, fastest in Q3. I'm going to be really boring. and gonna, I'm going to go Hamilton. I want points. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not helped me in the slightest. I am going. Hard. I am going to go with. I'm gonna. I'm gonna side with Chris on this one. I think Verstappen. Wow, you're matching Chris already. You, yeah. you, Bold. You're doing the same. Bold. Not interested. Already, in we're scoring points. Advantage. For literally first prediction, and there's, <laughs> there's no point. There's no point. You're talking to a three-time champion of the listeners, of the hosts, <laughs> dude. Right. Yeah. By the skin of your teeth. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you win by one point or 100, sir. <laughs> wins a wins a win. Oh, exactly. And speaking of wins of wins of wins, I'll come to you first for the winner of the Australian Grand Prix, Stu. Uh, I'm going to be boring again. I'm going to say Hamilton. Mm. 
Prove me wrong, Formula One. Make me not boring. (laughs) Don't give me points. Chris, where are you going with this one? I think I'm going to go Hamilton as well, to be honest. That's dull. I know it is. I am going to go out there and say Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. I'd like that to be accurate. Me too, because then I'd get a point. (laughs) Um, The next category for predictions is the first DNF of the race. Uh, So this is usually potluck, um, Mm. but I'm going to go with the... (laughs) This just sounds like Old Faithful from previous seasons, but... The Hass of Roman Grosjean. <laughs> oh my goodness. Cru- the cruelty has already set in. Um... Hey, they've got a track record, <laughs> especially do. at this track. In Australia, they do big uh, time, yeah. Stu, what about you? Who are you going with? Latifi. Oh, good shout. Ooh, a rough start to his season. Yeah. Uh, and Chris? I'm going to go for another old favourite and say Stroll. Ah, I knew you were going to go Ooh. Stroll. Two Canadians <laughs> in, the, in the first DNF. Yeah. Not a good day for Canada. Not at all. Uh, in terms of finishers, how many do you think will finish Chris? With 17 last year, which is actually quite high for Melbourne, isn't it? Yeah. And opening race of the season, generally. Yeah. I'm going to go... I'm going to go a little less. I'm going to say 16. Oh. Stu, what about you? 17, please. Oh, you've both taken... Well, I was going to go 16 or 17, depending on which way one of you two went, but you've both taken those, so... Uh, optimism, 18, just to be <laughs> different. Uh, and then reliable. random they are driver. These yeah, movies, that's so. it. The, the reliability is there. It's more about accidents, I think, but... Yeah. Um, and the, the grid's not changed much, so yeah, drivers are starting to know each other as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Random driver though, we have a random driver each week. So Chris, do the honors and let us know who we need to predict a finishing position for this week. Ooh, oh dear, that's not gone well for Stu. First random driver of the season is our new boy Nicholas Latifi. No way. Oh. Well, then you've got to say twentieth. Then I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth yeah. is. I don't care. Yeah, he's gone first DNF, so he's, like he's going. He's doubling up. He's doubling up. Um, I will say that he will have an okay race, so I'm going to go sixteenth. And Chris, I've said sixteen finishes, so I'm going to say sixteenth. I'm going to say last on the road that finishes. Okay. Which kind of yeah. tended to be Williams' thing last year, didn't it? They didn't necessarily yes. do well, but they always tended to finish. That's yeah, true, they tended to finish a lot. Has, he's got a lot to prove, that young man. Yes. Yeah, he has indeed. Uh, so that is us done for the Australian Grand Prix. Um, if you would like to join in, as Chris mentioned, you can head to backofthegrid.com, where if you're already registered from a previous season, you can just sign in and predict away to your heart's content. And if you are new, you can register and get involved for this season. Um, in terms of predictions as well, we have another little bit of something that Chris has from... Um, Back early in the summer break, wasn't it? Yeah, early in the summer break from last season, which is where we tried to line up the 2020 grid and go through some predictions. I think you've worked out who's 
done the best with that, Chris. Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, Hazel South Hill's kind enough to join us the podcast. We also had uh, Chamber and Jonty's Corner, who you will know from the internet, uh, sending mm. their predictions. Um, and we essentially all just went through each team and predicted who we thought would be driving for them in 2020. Um, so I'll quickly rattle through how we all did. Um, we Mercedes, we all said Hamilton. Then there's a weird split in the other seat. Me and you said Bottas, uh, Tom, but then Stu, John T, and Chamber all went for Ocon, which actually looked quite likely at the time, but didn't quite pan out. Um, Hazel went for the wild card Eduardo Mortara, which would have been amazing, but didn't quite happen. Uh, Ferrari, we all basically got right. The only one wrong there was uh, Hazel had Verstappen in there because she had a weird Ferrari Red Bull swap going on, which I quite enjoyed. Um, again, Red Bull, we were broadly all correct. Uh, Hazel had Buemi and Kvyat making their returns to Red Bull. Uh, Renault, all broadly correct. We had an Aitken, a Magnussen, and a Markelov with two question marks thrown in there from various people. <laughs> McLaren, we were all completely correct. Racing points, Stu, you put Bottas there, as did Jonty. Uh, and Hazel had Verline making a hell of a comeback. Wow. Um, otherwise, you all got that right. Hass was where it all got a bit weird. Um, me, Stu, John T and Chamber all had Hulkenberg going to Hass alongside Magnussen, which would have been the most spectacular explosion waiting to happen. But um, sadly, that didn't pan out. Um, Alpha, again, we all broadly got right. John T had Ericsson making a return there and uh, Chamber had stuck Magnussen there. Uh, oh, yeah, because he had also got a Bottas in the Hass. Um, ceremoniously dumped from Mercedes there. Uh, Toro Rosso, there were all kinds of interesting names. I had Yamamoto, uh, Tom, you had Yuri Vips, John T had brought Sorokin back, Hazel dumped Album back there, and Chamber had brought in Dan Tictum, which we all know what happened there. Um, <laughs> and then at Williams again, we all were right, except for Chamber, who dropped uh, Jack Haken in there. Um, all of which means in equal last place was Hazel and Chamber on 12 apiece. Uh, John T got 14, Stewie got 16, and then me and you, Tom, both got 18 of the 20 drivers correct because we just went with boring correct answers instead of interesting wild cards like Mortara and Tictum and Markov. Why is it I can predict things when I don't put money on them, but then I know, as soon as right? I put money on them, they're just wildly goes, incorrect. <laughs> the wild cards we came up with were quite interesting as well. Me and you both went Rose and Quiz, Tom. Stu, you had Sam Bird. Uh, John T wanted Alexander Rossi to come back. Uh, Hazel walked back Buemi, who we've already talked about once in this podcast, which is Buemi. slightly weird. Yeah. That is weird. It's most has ever been mentioned in any podcast. Sam Bird. I know, right? Uh, Sam Bird for uh, Chain Bear as well. Um, but yeah, that's how we all panned out. Uh, so thank you very much again to all of those guys uh, for joining in. Um, I'm sure we'll do the same thing again this season. So we'll try and get all them back and more possibly. But yeah, that's that's how we predicted the 2020 grid. <laughs> and I mean, let's face it, the real 2020 grid is actually quite boring when you compare it to last year's, isn't it? There's like next to no changes. Yeah, pretty much. But there we go. Pretty much. Um, shall we finish up with some inbox? Let's. Is. Uh, keep it saying now. Stay, stay out. Box, box, box. Hey, man. Uh, Wesley Paul. Uh, says, how many lateral Gs can an F1 car pull in a skid pad test? Let's what? assume the C5 tyres, we don't delve into more tyre talk. Good. 
Uh, I asked because I'm curious as to what impact the banking at Zandvoort will have on speed, racing line tyres, etc. What other tracks have had this kind of banking? Um, I did Indeed. a brief bit of research because don't have this answer off the top of my head. Can I make, can I make a guess first? I don't, well, yeah. I, I, I only really have some like G-Force figures rather than anything more than that. Can I guess G-Force? You can. That's a fun game. 6.5. Um, you've gone high, which is what I would have done. But Can I do one? Can I do a prediction? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm going to say... Since you, since you've, yeah, I'm going to go low. I'm going to say <laughs> three lateral Gs. So, yeah, that you're in the broad idea there. IndyCars typically pull three to four Gs in the banking. But essentially, all banking does is move the lateral Gs downwards. So you just yeah. ch- turn in lateral G into vertical G. So it's not really adding any more forces. It's just changing the direction of them. So yeah. although banking looks all very dramatic, it's not really adding that much more force. It's just moving it around, essentially. But um, what would it do on a skid pan? I have no idea. <laughs> not a lot because Six you're skidding. You'd be, well, you'd be skidding, wouldn't you? you the, the, <laughs> so so all, the car's moving sideways with you, so you wouldn't actually pull that many. You'd probably pull zero Gs in a skid pan. Oh, but what if Mercedes was using their DAS to uh, adjust the toe while they were skidding? At risk of being boring, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we turn into something annoyingly boring without it being tire talk. We win. <laughs> yeah, we win. <laughs> Okay, let's. We better move on. Shall we move on? Let's move yeah, on. Let's. Yeah, let's. Um, with the new, uh, sorry, Tom Murray says, with the new season looming, I think it's time you guys made the ultimate prediction in time for the Australian Grand Prix preview podcast. Which mistake will Crofty make the most during the course of the season? <laughs> My <laughs> candidates are the following: Force India instead of racing points. Still, <laughs> I like that. That's basically my mistake that I make all the time. Um, Toro Rosso instead of Alpha Tauri. Switching Alpha Romeo and Alpha Tauri. Ooh, those are three very, very good selections. My one would be saying Alpha Tauri instead of Alpha Tauri. I think he's going to do that. Yeah. Yes, despite everyone else saying it right. Yeah. yeah that's, he will be contrary and he'll say it how he wants to say yeah. it rather than how it's properly said. I can yeah. guarantee it. I think that from a sort of mid to long distance shot, he's going to constantly get the Alpha Tauri, Williams, and Alpha Romeo mixed up. Because they've all got white on them. Yes. From a distance, <laughs> they all look not the same, but sort of broadly similar. Close I think enough. he's going to get them mixed up a lot. Yeah, close enough for Crofty to mix them up. That's not bad. If I was to force to pick between those three, I would go with the Toro Rosso instead of Alpha Tower. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's the most likely one of those three. But I agree with what you two both said too. <laughs> I can't think cool. of any extras. Nice. Um, Drew Wright has said, um, what are Ferrari to do with the factory on lockdown due to the virus? Uh, possible some team members wouldn't be able to travel or exit other countries. What happens for them now? That's the thing, isn't it? Yes, they've been allowed out to go to Melbourne, but if they go back again, will they be let out again? Um, yeah. I know they've already said they're sending some people straight to Bahrain that would ordinarily have gone back to Maranello first, but it does make things that much more difficult for them, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. This affects Alpha Tauri as well, though, doesn't it, realistically, because they're still based in Italy. Yeah, uh, yeah, should be so. similar problems for them. I guess 
one difference for them is that their power units won't be necessarily coming from there. True. Mm. Yeah, maybe maybe more ones they're out on the road. They're out on the road. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, like speak. Australian yeah. Bahrain are back to back anyway, so they'd all be just going straight to Bahrain, surely. From You'd think Australia so, yeah. In the in the first place, yeah. so it shouldn't make that much that. difference early season, and then everyone gets a bit of a break. China because that's not happening. So that's like three weeks between races. It's Vietnam would be the next one. You do wonder if they'd send people straight from Bahrain to Vietnam just to be safe. Yeah, I can see a lot of Ferrari staff spending a very long time away from home this season. Yeah, yeah I mean, to be uh, fair, I wouldn't mind spending a, lot of the stuff a few in general, weeks in Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah it's the worst places, worst to, be places to, to be stuck. <laughs> I think one of the things that they're probably trying to do is minimise how much travel is happening because that's one of the, the biggest things with all of this, isn't it, is travelling and, and a spread of like a a sickness essentially isn't it so yeah i, I guess the the way that they can have the least impact with that is to travel as little as possible and i know that's not it's pretty rich for a sport that visits a different continent <laughs> every other race but you know like like you say going straight from bahrain to nam or something like that would be it would be more logical than going back to Italy or back to somewhere in Europe to then come back out and, and stuff. In exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's not very family friendly, I guess, for the teams, but yeah. Mm. Uh, next, that's life. Say how many different hairstyles will Lewis Hamilton have this season? Ooh. Well, maybe now he can have different helmet designs. He won't uh, need to express himself through his hair quite as often. So, <laughs> Maybe that's I the mean, only reason he's had so many hairstyles recently is because he's not did, been able to change yeah. his helmet. Did anyone keep track of how many he had last season? I don't. I didn't. I stopped noticing. <laughs> no, but if we go through and take pictures of like each race, we, I'm sure we could work it out. You could take a picture from that each race, couldn't plenty. you? Yeah, you do that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. We'll statistically analyze if he's got more hairdos this season than last season. Yeah, I've got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, next, show you the next one. Next question: Marcus Ingram wants to know: Will a Renault-powered car achieve a podium this season? I think it will. Me, Stu, that not Marcus. That's not Marcus's words. I think there's a big pause then between the end of the question and my comment. But my comment is: I think a Renault-powered car can achieve a podium this season. Yes. The question is: Will it be a Renault car? No, yeah, it'll be a McLaren. I think it'll be a McLaren. Yeah, I think McLaren are going to... Or science, because they're both absolute legendary drivers already. I think McLaren have a much better chance of achieving it than Renault do themselves, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that sentiment that it's possible, but it will probably be an orange vehicle achieving it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we still and... haven't seen the final paint job for the Renault yet. You never yeah, know. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't know what colour the actual Renault is, do we? I wonder what they're going to go for. No one's asked I that, even. St- I'm surprised no one's asked that. I still hope they leave it like it was in testing. I want to see that on yeah, track racing. Mm. Uh, and last one for this week is Kay Mengham saying, with Tracing Point looking like they've broken into the top three, is it a make-or-break season for Lance Stroll, who can't really hide in the midfield this year? It absolutely is, yes. Yeah. If, yeah. if that car is capable of big points and he's not doing it, then yeah. Yeah. I mean I we, we so. said it last episode. I said it in the last episode. 
yes, yes, it's big time. Go back and listen to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so long he can hide behind Daddy for. I think in terms of yeah. that. I mean, you know, yeah. and again, he yes, he's there because of who owns the team, but you know, he's he's still shown some talent through the uh, junior podium? formula. But more than a lot of them can say, he's had a podium. Yep, but I think he still. You can only hide behind that for so long. Yeah, and definitely. This season might well show that up for him mm. if he doesn't improve. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, th- I, I think it's all on how Perez is doing as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, it's he's a very good yardstick to have in terms of working out how well someone's doing with his experience and his his known capability. So if that car is capable of stuff like podiums and you know, fighting with some of the big boys from time to time, he's he's going to be taking it by the scruff of the neck to achieve that. So Lance really needs to be on his game if he's going to compete with that, yeah, I think. Definitely. He needs to yeah. grab the devil by the horns, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that is it for this week. Uh, so thank you very much to everyone who has joined us for this one. Um, if you'd like to find us online, we are available on Twitter, which is back of the grid F1. You can get us on Instagram, which is Back of the Grid. And you can also find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, if you would like to join the Predictions League or get in touch with us that way, you can join that and send email messages through the website at backofthegrid.com. That is everything for the Australian preview. So we will see you in a week's time to review it all and look ahead to Bahrain. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.